Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would please. Hebrews chapter 12. Thank you for coming, um, especially if you came last week and figured, hey, that was worth coming back to. I'm honored that you would do so, and uh, we hope to give you some, uh, uh, some principles. We're just going to stay right in one passage here. And um, misdemeanor, felony, or insanity, the challenge of discipline. Now, I think... Earlier on in life, when, when you're in that earlier stage in life, maybe when you're dating or um, uh, your, your fiancés or what, you know, what is that called? You're engaged, sorry. And uh, maybe even er- before children come along, you see other families, right? And maybe you're at the grocery store or what have you and you see a, a child just throw a royal fit. What do you think there before you have kids? Oh, my child will never do that, Right. It, it, that's, that's, that's just easy. That's just not going to happen in our family. There's just no way my child will never throw a fit. And uh, I think it's, it's easier um, earlier on in life to think, hey, this thing of, of discipline is just cut and dry, right? And uh, the Bible just says these things, you know, spare not the rod. And, and if you are really attracted to those concepts in Scripture, please seek out help, all right? And uh, um, I'm, I'm so glad that we can sing about grace, grace, God's grace, amen? And uh, if, if you are just waiting for a grand old hymn about the judgment and justice and law of God, right? There's not just not a whole lot of songs written about that, but we have a, a lot of songs that we adore about the grace and love of God. And here's just the truth about us as humans. We are going to err, right? We, we will because we are human. And so it would be good to err on the side of grace, right? But at the same time, we still do have some biblical principles about um, discipline, and it's a part of being a parent. And uh, I know last week I kind of just finished really, really quick, but um, when my last couple points were uh, don't be weird, right? And uh, um, but at the same time, um, don't stop being the parent. All right, um, our our children don't need us to be their buddy. And don't get me wrong. We talked about um, making connections and and creating connections and paying attention to our our children and and uh, and and understanding what they like and enjoy and the different intricacies of their personalities and and finding those connection points. Right? We want to have a a friendship or relationship, but our kids need us to be the parents as well. Here's what we do know: Hebrews twelve verse six says this: "For whom the Lord loveth." He chasteneth. You know how I know God loves me? He chastens me. He corrects me. He disciplines me. That's one of the ways I know that God loves me. Now, they're not always, they're not, they're never pleasant, right? When God has to get my attention, right? They're not, they're not pleasant times, but they're needful times. And I do have this understanding. If I work on a relationship with God, then I understand why these things are happening to me, why he needs to capture or grab my attention and correct some thinking, right? But it 
comes from that, that's, that's much easier to receive when there's a relationship, right? It's much easier to speak truth, especially hard truths, and into a person's life if you have a relationship with them, correct? And so we know, and young people, we have to know that God, we know that God loves us because he chastens us, he disciplines us. And at the same time, your parents love you enough to discipline you to correct you. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for allowing us to look into your word, and I just pray that you'd, you'd, you'd guide us, Lord. Um, we, we need wisdom, and that just really for every step of uh, stage of life that's represented in this room, that you'd give us something good for our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So certainly, I, I hope that there will be, if, if you are out of the stage of raising children, you're past that. Obviously, if you are heading that direction, I hope this is just some, some things that will help you um, just get set up, right? The longer I was in youth ministry, uh, the more I realized I needed to get at these young people these young people sooner in order to really impact their lives. And at first, it was like, well, hey, I, I had the high schoolers that I was really uh, keying on, and, uh, and I really, it started to become evident that, I mean, I needed to get them at junior high. And, uh, and as I went along even more, it's like, hey, it really would be good if I could get at them when they're in, in junior church, and then when they're even younger than that. When, when I moved, when I transitioned from youth ministry out of youth ministry, um, my pastor allowed me, he gave me my choice of whatever class I wanted to teach. The teaching ministry was my choice. I was so thankful for that. And my, my choice was the young marrieds. We need to get at kids before they're even alive, right? And it starts with, with, uh, with strong families and couples that desire to do right and, and glorify Christ with their lives. Now, don't get me wrong. It does not mean that if you have a later start in this, that you can't pivot and make adjustments and grow and, and do things right from this point on. You certainly can. But the sooner that you get those, these uh, biblical principles in our hearts, the better off we are. But if you are past that stage in life, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the ultimate example of a father, right? And so if you're past that stage of raising children, hey, let this be a really important reminder of our Heavenly Father, right? Hands-on mentoring and training is the most effective teacher, right? Um, we form ideas about marriage and family based upon what we see. That can be a good thing, but that can be a bad thing. And some people, depending on how they were raised, need to be retrained, right? I was one of those. I mentioned last week that I, I didn't have it modeled for me. I, I, I didn't. I didn't have the ideal situation um, modeled for me. So thank God if you had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. That, that's a privilege. And thank God, young people, thank God if right now you are growing up in a spiritual greenhouse, so to speak. If you're growing up with a, a mom and dad that love you and love each other and love Jesus, and you thank God that mom and dad uh, don't just come to church on Sunday morning, but they're, they're back on Sunday night, and here they are on midweek service, and they come out for outreach, and, 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 and your lives are, are filled with ministry and filled with each other and, and with the word of God and godly music. You, you thank God that God has given you the privilege of being brought up in a Christian home. Not everybody has that 
privilege. But still, so if you grew up in that, it doesn't mean that you can't benefit from biblical teaching and counsel, right? We all can continue to grow and we all can get better. On the other end, if you're like me, we're not doomed to being failures. We're not. We're not. We, we do need to pay special attention. I think it's really, really, really important to get really good counsel and guidance in this. But ultimately, when I said I did not have the ideals of Scripture modeled for me in my home growing up, I still did, still did and do have the greatest example of a father, and that's God, my heavenly father. And I love the song. It's simple. It's worth the repetition. He's a good, good father. Amen. And he is. He is a good father. And so ultimately, he is my example. And so I just like to look right through this passage and take a look at how God chastens us and use that as our textbook for the challenge of discipline. We look at verse number two to start. Looking unto Jesus, that's a good place to start. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now you understand, hey, we're headed towards Easter, and we've, uh, uh, we've spent some time pondering the cross, and, and I hope when we have a special time like communion that it truly is a memorial of what God, what Jesus Christ went through for us, and his shed blood, and the broken body, and all those things. The, um, he despised the shame, yet still it says here, who for the joy that was set before him, how could there be any joy when Jesus Christ knew that he would be humiliated before all mankind, that he would be, he would be beaten and bloodied and spat upon and, and he would um, hang naked before the world? Why would there be joy? Because he loved us, right? He loved us. And there was joy that was set before him. There was an ultimate goal after all this stuff, right? And so it starts off just with this idea, okay, it's, it's about Jesus, and there is joy at the end of it. And I, I probably, there, there can be. There can be. And, and the teenagers don't have to be a nightmare, right? They don't have to be. They can be fun times, right? And they're, it's, they're, it's going to have its challenges, no doubt about it. And then, of course, as parents, we have to navigate this thing, okay, What's appropriate now? We do, it's, it's different when they're seven years old and now they're 17. If you think it's exactly the same, you need counsel, right? Talk to pastor, because it's not the same. Seven years old and 17, they're, they're, they're totally different stages in life. And so we come at those in, in different ways, but it's still, there's the joy that is set before us. Verse number three, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Okay, so hold on a second. So in this passage here, it says, hey, consider what Jesus Christ went through because we're going to be tempted to be weary and faint in our minds because there are going to be times in life where we think it's rough, but it's actually not, or there will be times in life that are legitimately rough, but still we think of Jesus Christ and what he endured for us, right? We keep it in perspective. Verse number three, for consider him that in, uh, verse number four, for ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. So he's putting it down there as he's, he's writing to these, uh, uh, to these people who, who certainly want to serve God. And, and he's saying, hold on a second. You haven't resisted yet unto blood. You haven't paid the ultimate price. You haven't been beaten. You haven't been flogged as you've done these things. And you're going through some hard things. But hold on a second. 
keep it all in context. Here's the first thought I'd like you to, uh, to consider here as we, we look at this cha- the challenge of discipline. Number one, keep everything in context, in its proper context. What do you mean that? So, so we, we just looked at, hey, there's, there's going to be times in the Christian life where it's going to feel hard, it's going to seem hard, or maybe it is hard, but we consider, hey, what Jesus Christ went through or what the early church went through. For example, um, you know, we've, uh, we go through persecution, I guess, in a sense, right? We certainly are, things are, are going downhill in our country, no doubt about it, but we're still, we still have so many freedoms, right? And, uh, and, and we really have nothing to complain about. I mean, we have to be careful, and, and, and we need to be um, proactive in preserving our freedoms, but right now we still have much freedom to serve Jesus. And there are people in other countries, um, even other parts of the country, that don't have as much freedom. Um, it was such a blessing. Liberty loves this last uh, uh, Saturday to have so many people uh, come out and, and, and pass out uh, um, our little uh, invitations uh, for Easter. And I went out and uh, got to canvas an area. And before I did so, of course, I prayed, and I got the, uh, the hand sanitizer, you know, rubbed it on my hands, right, and, and, uh, and, and, and I put my mask on and, and all that. And so I go to the door, and I'm not knocking on the doors, but I'm, I'm just placing it on there as best I can, and, and I'm keeping the mask on just in case uh, somebody comes to the door. And, of course, at one door, um, it, it's just bound to happen. Somebody was stepping out as I was stepping, stepping over, and they didn't have a mask, but I had my mask on. But as soon as, you know, they saw me, they grabbed their, you ever see that? Grabbed their, their, their shirt or whatever they were wearing and put it over their, almost the, their whole face. And I felt like, do I look that dirty? I mean, do I scream COVID positive? I mean, and, and, and so for me, it's just a thought. It's like, you know, that's about as bad as, it, bad as it gets, right? I'm out there trying to serve the Lord and somebody's afraid of my germs and, and, and I get that. And, and you know, we shouldn't be offended by those things. And we could tell other stories of um, when we're, we're actually knocking doors and and somebody um, slams a door in your face, and it's, it's going to happen. Somebody might curse you out. Um, I told a story maybe a month or so ago uh, when I was preaching that I actually had the, uh, the, po- the, the police um, stop me when I was in, in, in Claremont uh, City uh, in the Inland Empire. They, they stopped me and told me to get out of Claremont, and that's, that's kind of a bummer. I mean, it really is a bummer. I went back the next week um, after I talked to the watch commander. But, hey, I was told by law enforcement, and we could complain about it. I could make a big deal about it, but if I keep it in context, man, there have been so many, so many more Christians who've endured so much more than I have. And so we keep it in context. And so young people, in the, in, in the same way, hey, you know, your life is not ending if you've been put on restriction or you've lost your phone for a short amount of time, or you can't do this or do that. I mean, keep it in context. It, it may be terrible, and we're going to talk about that. It may feel like life is ending, but your life is not ending. At the same time, parents, keep it in context. Hey, we're going to mess up. We're going to trip up, and we're going to do things wrong. And we're going to say the wrong things. We're going to do the wrong things. But every little mess up is not dooming our children to carnality and paganism. It's not. And, and I know, and here's the thing that we struggle with, the parents who are most committed to glorifying Christ with their family, we struggle with this because we want to get this right. We know the pressure, and we don't want to mess up our kids. Young people, I promise you, there's so much pressure on your parents because they don't, we don't want to mess you up because we know what we are, and we know what we came from, and, and, and we're just trying to figure this out as well. And, and so young people, I'm asking you, cut, your, uh, cut, cut, uh, cut some slack on your parents, just give them some 
grace as well. They're trying to figure it out as well. They're trying to get to know you because you've changed a lot from nine years old to 15. You're a whole different person. And it could be your parents is trying the best to get to know you as they're trying the best to get to know the Lord. And so young people, I'm asking you to just keep that in context. They're trying hard as well. And they've got questions as well. Right? Keep it all in context. I I mentioned last week that I I should have um, gotten more resources and sought more counsel, but even that needs to be kept in context. You know, the scripture says that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Multitude of counselors. And so there is safety if you get the perspective of a number of people. Now, you should seek out spiritually mature people. And, 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 and as you've watched people, if they've, they've raised children and, and they're doing well and they're, they're serving God and, and, uh, and living productive lives, then, of course, those are the people that I always wanted to run to. And, and they stood out in my mind as like, wow, I, I want to get to know those people and, and, and talk to those people. At the same time, so we... we we, grab, we get a multitude of counselors, so God wants these different perspectives, but ultimately, it's between you and God to discern what the proper counsel is. I mean, so there's a challenge. If God, if God says the safety is in a multitude of counselors, and you might get four different perspectives, well, God, what's the use there? Why, why don't I just go to the one person? It's like, no, well, God wants you to seek him and God wants you to, there's, there's, there's some growth in the struggle, right? There is. If, if, you, if you're going to get physically stronger, there has to be resistance, right? We're not going to get physically stronger by curling Q-tips, right? There has to be some type of physical resistance. So in the same way, when we seek a multitude of counselors, we're going to have to go to God about that and use that, some discernment and, and understand, okay, there's each, different, each one of our families has a different dynamic and different sensitivities. And so really, so for us, raising our autistic one, I mean, that was a challenge. Do we, we got, we got all kinds of counsel on that thing. And, and uh, we had some people tell us that, hey, you, you discipline, you don't do, you don't do it any different than you do your regular kids. And we wondered about that. We tried that. I mean, you know what? That was a mistake. It was, it was just a mistake. Like I said, you don't, you don't discipline a four-year-old the way you discipline a 14-year-old, right? And so that really, that took some discernment on our part and so hum- some humility to realize, okay, we got that wrong. And so we adjust. And so you keep all these things in context, even the counsel that you get. So you have to be honest with your family's dynamic and some of the things, if, if you if you were to come to me and realize, hey, our, our dynamic was totally different, raising a special needs kid and being in ministry and all these different things that we had, not, you know, of course, we try to give you biblical principles and, and different, like I said, mature Christians um, and, and take those things, go to God, keep it in context for your family context, and that will help things, especially with your relationship with God. Look at, look at verse number, um, verse number five. <clears throat> And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and catch this word, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Next concept. There must be appropriate consequences. There must be appropriate consequences. So pay attention to the words there. So, So remember, this is God, our Father, 
how he deals with us, and he's using some really strong words, right? If he loves us, he chastens us, and he scourges it. That word scourge means a, a flog, right? It, it gives the, um, the picture of the, the cat of nine tails that was used to flog our Savior, right? Now, don't go there, all right? Children, if, you're, if your dad is, out, is creating a cat of nine tails in the backyard and has straps of leather and is tying pieces of bone and glass to the end, call 911, all right? Uh, I, I think we understand, hey, uh, there, there's a picture here, right? There's a, uh, there's a principle that, yes, discipline, chastening, it has to hurt, right? It has to hurt, and much like even just in the physical realm of being physically strong, sometimes you've got to go to the burn, right? And you've got to push yourself real hard, and it's going to hurt in that moment, or it's going to hurt the next day, or what have you, right, in order to get stronger. And so consequences, they have to be, it has to be appropriate. It has to be something that does, there's a price that is paid. Okay, so I know we're living in a world where, uh, to be honest, I, I'm a little bit nervous um, speaking, uh, speaking this, even though it's biblical truth, but, but the Bible does speak about um, spanking and, and, the, and the rod of correction, right? And, and, and of course, that is that's something that is to be, be used with, uh, um, uh, with discernment and with love, and we'll, we'll talk about that um, uh, in, a, in a minute. And, um, and, and you could talk to me privately about those if you have some questions about that. Um, and I hope this is something that, that, that's, that's okay. But, but, but earlier on, and, and so for us, we, we felt like we, we didn't want to use our, um, our hands you know, our, as, as a weapon, right? And so um, when, when, the, when the children were young, um, there was a wooden sp- I'll just say it like this. So, so one of my children, I don't know, we were going through a store and found a, um, a wooden spoon, all right? And so we went, he, he was young, and I don't think he was even being um, sarcastic, but he found this wooden spoon, and he says, you know, some people use this for cooking, all right? And so, um, yes, this is true. And so we had a, a, a wooden, so, so you could put two and two together, right? And, and so you've got to pray about that and get some counsel there. But, I mean, it is certainly a, a biblical principle in that. And then just, as I said, we've, we've had opportunity and privilege to, um, to watch a whole lot of families do a lot right, right? And, and, of course, just getting to know young people and being friends with young people for, for decades. And I remember sitting around, and I don't know, we just got on the, on the, um, uh, the subject of the ways parents disciplined them when they were younger and uh, and I, I never thought about th- thought of this, but um, but some uh, uh, some of the the kids, these teenagers, says, "Man, you know what the worst thing was? That little um, rod from the from blinds. Those hurt so bad." And I'm not I'm I'm not trying to um, you know. Well, once again, hey, we're well, not we're not going to uh, we're we're not going back to stoning young people for um uh, for for rebellion, right? Um, but it is certainly a biblical principle that it does. There has to be a consequence, but just in this point, that word consequence is important, but appropriate consequence is so important as well. So we have that word scourge, and then verse number 11, look at verse number 11, there's a word, it says grievous. It's not joyous at first, it's grievous. So it's, it's not meant to be fun. 
it shouldn't be fun, right? So if uh, um, the kids are younger and you send them on a timeout and you send them to a room and they've got all their toys and all those things and it's just Disneyland in the room, that's not a consequence, right? That's not discipline. It's supposed to be grievous, right? It's supposed to be grievous, but it's supposed to be appropriate. So don't, here, here's the thing, so don't treat a misdemeanor like a felony, all right? And so here's one of the mistakes I made. It just sounded good to me because I was just in that stage of life and just kind of the training and my, my Bible college atmosphere where, to be honest, it was just a little bit aggressive and, and I was just really um, a little bit aggressive. It was, it was aggressive and, and, uh, uh, and I, I was really enamored by this hardcore preaching and this um, just really man-centric and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not a, of, co- of course, men should be leaders, right? But, but some of you might know what I'm talking about and, and, and I, I remember somebody telling me that that uh, well, it was it was a preacher that that uh, that had a philosophy on how to discipline, and it it was it was harsh. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't ever move into abusive it, uh, abuse. It, it it didn't, but it was it was a little bit on that harsh side, and and I had the tendency to treat every single thing like a felony. And but so even in this world, I mean, not everything is prison without parole, right? Sometimes you get fined. Sometimes it's community service. Uh, Sometimes it's an ankle bracelet. Sometimes it is prison time, right? And in the same time with our children, not everything is uh, is is capital punishment, right? And so let let it be appropriate. And so it has to fit the crime, so to speak, or will frustrate. Our children. It's a biblical principle. I'm going to talk more about that next week. Next week's message is how our kids can survive our shortcomings, right? And they can. They can survive our shortcomings. How our kids can survive our shortcomings. And, and, and there's a biblical principle that we're not to provoke our children to wrath. It means frustrate them or, um, or, or just really um, cause them to be downtrodden and discouraged, right? And we do this when we treat every little misdemeanor like a felony. The insanity we'll talk about in just a little bit here. So there has to be, and then we, we should use some common sense. Um, there was a, a, a Christian um, that, that told me that, you know, there's, the, there's only one biblical thing to do as far as disciplining your children, that's spanking your children. And, and remember, hey, just be the, the, the number, just because they're 18 doesn't mean they're children. Uh, they're, they're adults. And so the only thing you do is spank. That's the only thing that you do. I'm like, okay, well, that kind of sounds good. But um, so that the only thing you do is spank. That's the only thing you find in Scripture, right? But I think we could use some common sense here, right? So let's go back to being 17, all right? Adults, parents. All right. I think one of the keys, all right, is just don't forget what it's like to be 17 or 15. All right. Would you prefer, all right? Would you, if you had your choice, and, and you shouldn't do that. I'm not saying parents don't do this. Don't give them multiple choice of, of you know, how, how would you like to be punished today? All right. A, B, C, all of the above or none of the above. No, it just it, that's not. You know, I'm not saying this is what we do, but let's just say you're 17 and you can choose the spanking or take the phone away for two weeks, right? At 17, you're going to take the spanking every single time, right? So that's actually not a consequence. 
and you may even hear, I mean, if you're honest with yourself, you understand. So let's use, let's use some common sense now. And so even this, this man, this, <laughs> this Christian leader told me that he even spanked his adult child. It was in his early 20s that still lived in their home. And it's like, man, you, you didn't, you, you didn't, uh, nothing happened with it. You didn't teach that person. There wasn't a consequence. Of course, we would, we get to a point where those things don't hurt. Yeah, it could still hurt, right? Well, we know that's just momentary. And we'd much rather take that momentary physical pain, uh, even if maybe if it's not the the, the, blood, the rod from the blind, so maybe that, maybe not that, but you'll take the wooden spoon, right, rather than losing your phone or get it going on restriction for, uh, for a couple weeks. The, the consequences have to be appropriate. And so sometimes, I mean, there are things, there are things, there are privileges, they're not rights, all right? There are privileges that have to be taken away, and it's not meant to be joyous, it is meant to be grievous, all right? It is. It, it's supposed to be grievous. And so here's one thing to think about. And I, I'm not saying, you're not going to, I, I know scores of young people whose their, their parents did this, but they used, um, uh, they would punish their children uh, by making them memorize scripture, right? Or write out scripture, write out verses, right? Well, I mean, it's supposed to be grievous. So here's my opinion. I, do you really want the scriptures to be grievous? Do you? Um, and, and like I said, I, I know dozens of young people, that's what their parents are, and they're fine. They are totally fine. Um, but for me, it just doesn't seem to match up with, okay, I'm going to use the scriptures to implement something that's supposed to be grievous in, in that sense, or memorizing scripture or writing down scriptures. It's just something to consider. There has to be, there must be appropriate consequences. Look at verse number seven, if you would, please. Verse number seven. If, all right, that word if is really important in the Bible. So, so, so my next point here is our posture is conditional. Our posture, how we approach these things. And so young people, you have a huge responsibility in this, and you just have to be honest with that. I'm not trying to beat you up, right? And I'm not taking away the responsibility of us parents to do right, right, and, and to, uh, uh, to act in a godly way. But at the same time, young people, you have a responsibility. Look at what it says there in verse number seven. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. So if, it's conditional, ye endure. That word endure means to stay under or submit, Right? So remember, hey, this isn't a earthly parenting passage, but we can take these principles. This is how God deals with us, right? So when God chastens us, and if we submit, right, we stay under the chastening, then God deals with us as with sons. So you study the scriptures, you, you study um, a Jewish history, and, and God has to alternate between this, this relationship as a loving father and a judge, right? But who was that dependent on? The children of Israel. And so there were times where God's loving care and compassionate care was just um, prominent, was at the forefront of his relationship with Israel. But there were times when necessary, and a lot of times, because of the actions of the children of God, Israel, that God had to deal with them not as a loving, compassionate, patient father, but that God had to deal with them as a judge. And the law had to come down. Who was that dependent on? It was dependent on the people. Young people, we've got to work together on this. Your parents are doing their best, 
right? Your parents are doing the best, but you have to be honest. Are you bringing out the worst in your parents? See, the posture, how our, the, how our parents are going to approach the children, it's dependent upon you. And they want to approach you as a father. We don't want to do it as a judge. It's not fun. It's not. It's not fun. We would much rather have that part of it. And so the posture is conditional. And so we need to work on that together. So sometimes, like I said, don't stop being the parent. Sometimes you do have to say, because I said so. Try your best not to let that be a habit, not, that, not to let that be your go-to. Let's have some real answers, and don't be intimidated by why questions. It's okay. It's okay for, uh, for our, our kids to ask why. Why do we do this? Why do we do it like that? Why, why, what sense does that make? Answer the questions. And, and sometimes you have to say, because I said so, but it shouldn't be the norm. It shouldn't be the, the blanket statement. And, and if you don't know, be honest and then find out. Find out why and have some truly biblical principles in rule, and rules in our home. Look at next, look at verse number 10. For they, look at verse number 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be, sub, be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily, for a few days, the father of, fathers of our flesh, chastened us after their own pleasure. Wow. Oh, that's an interesting statement. It's just a real statement. There have been just so, especially, I think it's easier to talk about it from the sports perspective. And, and uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed sports um, since my childhood, playing sports and then coaching sports. And there were just times where I was so frustrated by my team, by my players, that I enjoyed having them do certain drills that they hated, right? And I was just in the flesh, right? And I just, I mean, I just wanted to, hey, they had a bad attitude in practice. Okay, I'm going to run them some more, right? It didn't matter how, how, how hot it was. And I kind of enjoyed that. And I was just kind of in the flesh. And we have to be careful as parents. And so my next, uh, my next point here, it says, we must stay in control. In, in disciplining, this is so, but we must stay in control. The Proverbs tell us that a, um, a man who's, who doesn't have control over his, his spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. And what that means, we don't have any spiritual protections. We don't have control over our spirit. And we will do damage to our relationship with our children if we discipline when we're out of control. And so obviously the ideal is the event happens and you step away for just a little bit and you're able to take care of it in a rational sense, in a, in a rational way, and then take care of it and dole out the discipline, right? But sometimes, and here's just the truth because we are human, right? Sometimes we get mad. That is not the time to discipline our children. Take a few minutes. Take a few hours if you need to. It, it's much more important that you do this under control because we will say the wrong things and we will do the wrong things when we're not in control of our spirits. Um, early on, early on in, in youth ministry, 
Um, I was about 21 years old. I'm doing my first youth rally. We're expecting about 500 kids at this youth rally. I'm getting prepared, and I, I have kids helping me out. And, and, and there, were, there were three boys in particular. They are about 14, 15 years old. I'm stressed out. And uh, um, I, don't, I don't remember what I was doing, but I got in my car. I had a couple, couple boys, and they were driving to get something. And there was one boy. He's, he's 15 years old. And he's looking in the back of my car, and he's got this sheep, his smile on his face. I said, did you put something behind my car? I was like, no, 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 no. And so he's looking. I'm getting ready to back up, and he's looking. He's just smiling. I said, did you, did you, put, do you have something under my, my tires? It's like, no, 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 Jay, I didn't. And then so I back up, and then he just starts cracking up. And then and the other guys start cracking up too. And so what he did is he got these, these ketchup um, packets, and he just wound them up a little bit, put them behind my tires, and then when I backed up over them, they exploded behind. Didn't even touch my, didn't even touch my, uh, my car or my tires. But I was so mad because I was so stressed out. And I looked at him and I, I said, hey, don't you ever look me in the eye and lie to me again. And the guys were like, whoa, what's going on? And what, I was just, okay, I was stressed out and I responded in a wrong way. So I texted these guys. They're now in their late 30s and they're serving the Lord. And I told them, hey, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell this story of me losing it when you put ketchup bombs behind my car. It's just so ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, this one text with these couple young men that, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, that's young. Um, now, the, it literally turned into uh, about 100 texts of them coming clean with all kinds of stuff that they did. And, they, and all the men in the church that they drove to, um, to say, um, bad words at them. I mean, these were just those kinds of kids that brought out the worst in, in people. It's like, man, you guys were worse to even other people. So, oh, yeah, we were bad. And these guys now, they, I mean, they're serving, serving Jesus with, uh, um, with, with their heart. They, they love the Lord. They have good families. I mean, but if you would have looked at them, you are related to one of these guys. <laughs> um, um, uh, Gina's um, Nephews and niece were in my youth group, um, but we still have a we we have a good uh, we we have a good time and and it seems like every every month they admit to something that they did um, when they were when when they were in youth group, but I just thought of that as just okay that wasn't the biggest deal right but and and I can't I'm I know I'm known for some vulnerability and being transparent but there are just some things that I'm not going to talk about some of the mistakes that I made as a parent, but I'll tell you I made them, and I didn't always stay in control. And I think all of us as parents have done that, right? We have, because we're human, right? And so it's much more important. You know, hey, okay, I need to get, I need to get this taken care of in five minutes or 15 minutes when we have, no, you don't. Give it a couple hours. If you need a couple hours to chill out, take a couple hours and chill out. You need to be in control. It's because these big negative events have real huge sticking power in the minds and hearts of our, of our children. They do. And, and not that it's not overcomable. You know, something like that was ridiculous. Those kids still love me, and I did, you know, there's some things that even with my children, my own children, I should have given it a, a few minutes, right, before saying something or, 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 or whatever, right? But like I said, our kids can survive our shortcomings, but we must stay in control. Um, also in verse number 10, um, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Next, beliefs need to be corrected. Beliefs need to be corrected. All right, so 
the parent that's in the flesh, we are really, the truth is, we are disciplining after our own pleasure because we want to do this. We want to get back at you, right? Um, we, are, we are doling out our vengeance upon you, right? But he, God, it's not about vengeance. It's about us, our children, being partakers of God's holiness, ultimately. That's what it is. But he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. So, as an example, let's say you just have a rule. You have a standard, right? This type of music or this artist is not to be listened to. And your child rebels and listens to that music or listens to that artist. Now, of course, the act of disobedience is wrong. It's sin, right? That has to be dealt with, but not just the act, the disobedient act, but why are they listening to the music? Now, it could be. Now, most Christian young people, I'm convinced, they grow up in church, they're growing up in church. They know, we know. I mean, adults, we do the same thing. Sometimes we make bad entertainment choices, and we know we probably shouldn't watch or listen to that, but we do it anyway, right? So it's not just teenagers, but teenagers, you do it too. You know, so I'll admit, hey, us, us, all of us adults, sometimes we just, we just allow our flesh to make decisions. And so a lot of times, Kids know, all right, that is wrong. Jesus doesn't want me to do that. But sometimes they don't. And maybe they are convinced that that type of music or that artist is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So it's not just the act that they disobeyed an order that has to be dealt with. It's the belief that needs to be dealt with as well. Because beliefs drive behavior. So if you have to deal with, okay, this is why that music is off limits for our family because, you know, we're, it's, it's about us being partakers of God's holiness, right? And verse number 11 says this, that, that chastisement yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. This music, this artist is not bringing us closer to God. It's not allowing us to be partakers of holiness. And this is why, let's examine this lyric or whatever, or that, that, that artist's lifestyle. And correct some wrong thinking, correct some beliefs. Not just the action, but the beliefs that are driving the action as well. Look at verse number 12. Verse number 12. Wherefore, verse number 11, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees it can be comforting. It can be comforting. Now, I know that's just one of those things nobody, no kid wants to hear, right? But like I said, if we set this up in the proper way, we take a step back, we take a few minutes or, if need be, a few hours to get in control, deal with this rationally, explain, deal with the beliefs, all right? Go ahead and ask questions and, and let their, um, you know, give some legitimacy to what they're thinking. But go ahead and explain, be the parent and explain this is why. And if ultimately, ultimately our children know that we're doing this not because they've embarrassed us, right? That, that shouldn't be the driving factor. And our kids will pick up on that, all right? Our kids will pick up on that. That, that shouldn't be the driving factor. The driving factor is that we be as close to Jesus and we glorify Jesus with our lives, right? That should be the driving factor. Then there can be a comfort in that. There can be a comfort. Um, the, 
last week we looked at the prodigal son, the two prodigal sons, actually, the two prodigal sons, and the father. Remember the, um, the son that never left? He was so mad that there was this party that was put on for his brother who, who had wasted all his substance. And he'd come back and he says to his dad, hey, uh, here I am all these years. I, I, I never rebelled against you and I served you all this time. And you, you never killed for me the fatted calf. You never threw a party for me. And the Bible says that the father entreated him. That word entreat... It, Interestingly, the Greek word that's being used for entreat is parakaleo, which is the word that's also used to designate the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one that comes alongside. And so when the father is dealing with this son, the word entreat is being used. And so he's coming alongside and he's comfort, he's comforting him. And so let that be that has to be a part of our discipline. There has to be that element of hope. Um, our children shouldn't be beat down emotionally, physically. They shouldn't, be beat, they, they shouldn't ever feel like there isn't any hope for them. They shouldn't, there, there should always be that element of hope and comfort that this is going to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And then lastly, when you look at verse number, verse number 12, Wherefore, verse number 13, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Interesting, important term there in verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. So last point, we must be diligently contemplative. I, we, we should be very reflective. We, we should really think through what's going on. And that last term, to, to fail, means to be destitute, to be lacking of the grace of God. Wow. Like I said, if we're going to err, and we're going to, we should err on the side of grace right? Now, there's times, yes, law needs to be meted out. That needs to come down. But if you're going to err somewhere, let it be on the side of grace. And so, things we need to contemplate, we need to reflect on, that we need to think about with the inappropriate or bad behaviors of our children. Here's a couple things. Ask, is this rebellion, immaturity, or pain? Really important to discern. Is this rebellion, immaturity, or pain. The title ultimately is clickbait, I understand. Misdemeanor, felony, or insanity. When I talk about insanity, it's all about immaturity, right? You remember, you got to remember what you were like at 12 years old. You didn't get everything, right? Not everything that you said at 12, year old, 12 years old, you meant. Even when you were 14 years old, you said something and, and, and adults took it a certain way and you didn't mean it like that, right? You, you, you can't forget what that was like, right? Insanity, immaturity. Sometimes things happen, young people do things, and it's, 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 it's out of immaturity that it happened, and that has to be dealt with in a specific way. Sometimes it is rebellion, and that has to be dealt with in a, in a specific way, or sometimes it comes out of pain. You understand sometimes bad behavior comes out of pain? It does. It does. And so discerning that can be a problem, but if you deal with the hurting young person in just the uh, as if they're rebellious, you'll deflate them. 
You can destroy them emotionally. If you deal with the rebellious teenager as if they are immature, you'll embolden them. If you deal with the immature one as if they're rebellious, you'll confuse them. Right? I mean, because they're just really not thinking it through. And, and you've labeled them a, re- a rebel, and maybe they just need to be, some things need to be explained. Right? Or just some grace, some things understood. Like, okay, that's a 14-year-old, and, and we'll do it with some guidance. Right? And so discerning these things, I know that can be a challenge. But let that at least be there in the forefront of your mind. Okay, is this rebellion? Is it immaturity? Or is it pain is a pain because we don't want our children to grow up bitter as that last statement says misdemeanor felony or insanity the challenge of discipline young people were for you your parents are for you they're 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 for you and they want to have a good relationship with you and they're trying to figure out would, would you would you give them some grace would you cut them some slack parents you know, your, chi- your, your, your kids, don't forget what it's like to be 15. Things are just changing so quickly, right? And, and a lot of times what we need to do is guide, all right? Still have the backbone to be the parent, but to do it in a discerning and biblically wise way. The challenge of discipline. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.